Where Ideas Launch, the podcast for the unexpected innovator. We are all incredibly creative, but maybe we've forgotten how. I've spent my career working with people from more than 150 countries, traveling the world, and experiencing cultures. And what I found? Creativity is everywhere. We've got a gargantum challenge facing us, as we need to redesign a more sustainable planet. This podcast explores modern-day innovation in the age of sustainability. I'll interview some of the most prolific thinkers, creators, and educators on their journey to create sustainable incomes and businesses. My guests and I will teach you how to be creative, create business models, and explore curiosity with the courage to level up in your career. Join me every Wednesday for a new edition of Where Ideas Launch, the podcast. Welcome to our episode. Good afternoon, good morning, good day, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to Where Ideas Launch and our session with Isabel Chabot. Isabel is an associate professor in the finance, law and accounting department of Grenoble École de Management. Since 2018, she has been the program director of the MSc in Fashion Design and Luxury Management at the university. And since 2019, September 2019, she's been responsible for the MBA Brand and Luxury Management Specialization. I'm really excited to talk with Isabel today because she was also my professor when I studied my MBA in 2015-2016. And she was one of the most transformational leaders I've met in my career. So thank you for joining us and welcome, Isabel. Uh, thank you so much, Catherine. Uh, that's really nice to hear. It's my pleasure to see you this time outside class. <laughs> it's really wonderful to have you. So we're going to get started by asking you a few questions about your mission. So I, I like to talk to, to my peers and my clients to tell them that we need a mission statement. We need something that drives us beyond, beyond the job. Tell us about what your mission statement is. Okay, so my mission statement will probably be um, three keywords, uh, people and sharing, or four, people and sharing, learning, and passion. So people has always been, uh, for me, uh, probably the most important thing, like uh, meeting uh, people, discussing, getting to learn from them, then sharing with them, my own knowledge, uh, not only in my country, but internationally. I think uh, we really uh, uh, benefit all of uh, the, the different cultures, and it's something I always look for. Uh, learning, never stop learning. I think since I was uh, little, I always tried to read, to, uh, to learn new things. And that was something that really uh, matters a lot to me. Uh, probably why I started in audit. Uh, I worked for eight years at PwC because we were changing uh, every week. We had to audit a new clients, new, uh, new business model, uh, new industries from chocolate to pharmaceutical to perfume, fashion, car makers. I mean, it's always different, traveling as well. And uh, passion, I think when you're passionate about something, you, uh, you always find time, even if a day only has 24 hours, you can read more, you can dig, you, can, uh, you are more curious, and so you necessarily learn more. And so, yeah, those are for me the three most important things from audit to fashion to higher education and so on. Uh, has always been my, my motto. 
It's, it's so wonderful and refreshing to hear because I used to be an auditor too, and we all know people don't like auditors. <laughs> so it's interesting for, for you to share how, how you've actually used your experience from audit to develop the career and design the career that you have now. Okay, so it's true. Yeah, people don't like uh, auditors. In fact, they don't like to be controlled by others. They are afraid that we'll tell them, oh, oh, what you did is not correct or it's your fault. But if you implement good relationship with them, you try to explain what you are doing and that you want to bring added value uh, maybe to improve some internal controls in place, maybe to uh, improve some uh, uh, efficiency in some aspects, uh, it's, it becomes different. So when you work on a um, yeah, confident uh, relationship, I think it's, it's different. It's all a matter of, of contacts, I guess, personal contacts you have with people. I learned a lot uh, from a methodological point of view, being very structured, organized, okay, dealing with different tax. It's management project, okay? So that helped me a lot when I moved to uh, uh, higher education because it's uh, managing different courses at the same time, different location. I was teaching in Grenoble, Berlin, London, Singapore, Moscow. So you had also maybe sometimes different subjects with different audiences. So the methodology, uh, of course, is something key. Uh, sharing the knowledge. When I was at PwC, I did some training. I gave some training. When we merged with um, Coopers in 1998, so we became Price Waterhouse Coopers. Uh, someone had to um, to teach the new methodology, and I, I volunteered in France in my office. They were looking for volunteers, and I volunteered, and I liked this. It was really interesting to try to explain this new, <clears throat> sorry, methodology to managers and uh, partners. So I also train newcomers. So methodology training sharing some knowledge were really the the common uh, basis that i used in higher education financial analysis and i switched to financial analysis of luxury companies this is how little by little i came to a to a fashion so you moved from being an auditor to being a professor to being a specialist in luxury brand management. That's really interesting. What's inspired your interest in luxury brand management? I think it started when I was little. My mother was uh, making bespoke uh, uh, wedding dresses, uh, bridal gowns, and uh, I used to see her in her atelier or sewing workshop, uh, uh, sketching, drawing, meeting clients who were explaining what they were looking for, and she was trying to draw the perfect uh, wedding dress uh, for them, and then she took me uh, uh, to uh, suppliers to buy the silk with her. So I went to the Lyon region with her and I could witness and touch wonderful fabrics. And then I could see her uh, teaching, uh, sewing. Uh, and that was always something in my mind uh, that I kept for a long time. And I always uh, thought, okay, first I do something related to uh, to numbers, very structured, and then I can uh, use this uh, to be on a more creative side and uh, more, uh, yeah, creative uh, industry. And uh, and I was interested by this craftsmanship aspect. In fact, really understanding what's behind the the, the numbers and those companies and how they were functioning. 
I think that there's always, uh, there's always a bit of your history and your past and your experiences that comes to bear as you, as you grow and develop in your career. So it's nice to see how you've connected that experience with your mum to what you're doing today. And I think she must be really proud. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to pivot slightly and I want to get into the business of luxury brand management a bit. And, and I think all my listeners are curious to know, how is the industry doing? Well, the industry has been uh, severely hit, uh, as most industries, okay? Uh, BCG uh, was uh, expecting some uh, 30% drops before uh, uh, the beginning of the COVID, and it is confirmed uh, even more. If I give you a few uh, uh, numbers, uh, talking about the key players who are LVMH, uh, Hermes, Kering, Compagnie Financière Richemont. Um, I can just uh, give you some um, some insights. For example, LVMH, they witnessed a drop by 38% in uh, Q2 2020, uh, which makes... Uh, a drop uh, for first half uh, revenue 2020 by 28% organic. Okay, so a constant uh, exchange rate. Uh, so minus 28% is about uh, around 30%. For caring, it's uh, minus 30% uh, first half. Uh, 2020 and uh, with minus 43.7% for uh, the uh, Q2, which is a huge drop. Um, Hermes also witnessed a drop by 40% for Q2, but cumulated is minus 25% at constant exchange rate. So Hermes is the most resilient out of all the, the key players. Uh, Richemont, the Swiss company, uh, which owns uh, Cartier, uh, Van Cleef, uh, Jagger, Lecourt, and so on, uh, witnessed a 47 drop in their uh, first quarter of 2020 uh, sales. So, uh, Richemont closed their books. Uh, they closed their books at the end of March. So their first quarter is from April to June 2020. So Richemont has been severely hit, uh, mostly in the watches in, uh, business. So they are they are yeah really uh, hit, and so they have to uh, uh, to find uh, uh, new solutions to cope with this situation, and uh, they, this gave a boost to digitalization. So those who already had uh, online sales, uh, they. They sold uh, uh, quite a lot, mostly in China. Uh, they witnessed a huge increase. Uh, Hermes, for example, witnessed a 100% increase in their online sales in, in China. Chinese consumer or tech savvy and buy a lot online. Uh, those who do not have um, uh, online platforms, they had to partner with uh, marketplaces, for example, Farfetch uh, to help them, or they had to develop their own uh, 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 platform or online uh, on a rapid uh, pace uh, in order to cope with the lost business from uh, closed uh, stores. I'm also curious to know how they're going to pivot out of it. I mean, sustainability is beginning to reshape many industries, and I'm sure not least of which is the luxury brand industry. Tell us about what, how they're dealing with sustainability. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's one of the top priority, I think, now for most uh, players. Uh, it comes from the consumer demands, actually. Uh, consumers want to know uh, where uh, have they purchased the raw materials, in which condition, uh, how is the production uh, process, uh, how do they deal um, with uh, people, how do they treat them, uh, gender equality, uh, hygiene and safety, and all those aspects. Also, the, the dyeing chemicals, for example, they use, and all those elements. So it's affecting the whole supply chain, and up to uh, the end, uh, the way they sell it. Uh, uh, this is why also circular economy is booming. Uh, the demand for second hand is, uh, is absolutely uh, on the rise. Uh, uh, companies like Vestiaire Collective or Rent uh, the Runway uh, are all uh, seeing a huge increase in their sales uh, because more and more people and mostly millennials are interested in buying secondhand uh, products. Uh, so if you have a used uh, uh, item, a garment, a bag, you can resell it so you can make money and you can buy also other products. And it can also uh, allow, I would say, uh, other customers who would not be able to afford some uh, luxury product to buy for the first time uh, some luxury product. So I think it's affecting the whole supply chain from uh, raw materials, production, and then uh, the, the selling channel. So omni-channel and different, uh, different um, ways of selling, not just in stores, but also and, and the new business model of circular economy. Yeah, and, and beyond fashion, it's also having an impact, right? There are other initiatives that people are coming up with in, in the luxury space as well, beyond fashion. Absolutely. Uh, to give you an example, uh, uh, a startup called Lizzy uh, uh, is partnering with different uh, companies to rent uh, between, so either between business to business or business to consumer. Uh, and for example, they had a partnership with Delcy and uh, you can rent a suitcase for uh, just a weekend or for uh, two weeks. And I think it's a fantastic idea. Imagine you are students, you live uh, in Paris in a very very small place, you don't have uh, enough room to store a big uh, suitcase and you want to go to the US and so you need to, you can rent a suitcase just for two weeks. Of course, not right now, probably with travel, <laughs> it's a little bit difficult, but uh, I think there's a real, uh, a real uh, uh, business for that and people uh, it's also lots of surveys uh, reports show people are more interested in, in experience now more and more than uh, sometimes uh, owning the product so this will also allow you to have an experience and, and I think it's um, and it's also part of this circular economy and uh, reducing the the waste, the pollution, and, uh, and giving a longer maybe lifespan to uh, also to uh, to objects or different uh, uh, items. No, it's it's so it's so interesting. Thank you for sharing that. So this is our last question. So I really want to thank you upfront for all that you've given my listeners today. I think the session has been really interesting. But what advice would you give to the ones who are either out of work because of the crisis or just coming on to the job market? What would you tell them? What would you suggest? 
Well, uh, first, uh, digitalization, as we said, uh, uh, we spoke about uh, luxury that are going online and maybe it took a little bit longer than other businesses, but all businesses are online now. You can buy cars online. I mean, who could have imagined to buy a car online before? So I think having some knowledge in the digital marketing, the different platforms where you can buy, so marketplaces in luxury, we have what we call marketplaces. For those who are uh, beginners, it means it's a, a tripartite uh, relationship between the company producing the goods, between uh, the marketplace where you can buy the good as a final customer. So if you don't have, if the, pro the company producing the goods doesn't have its own platform, they can use a third party, uh, the marketplace, to sell their products. And this is the case for Farfetch, for example. And Farfetch is also experiencing a huge, huge uh, increase. But you may have heard Amazon is going to launch luxury uh, items. They, uh, they just announced the product first partnership with Oscar de la Renta 10 days ago. And uh, so this is booming in all industry, uh, fashion, uh, luxury, uh, car makers. Uh, now you can buy everything online. So I think it's really important to have knowledge in this. Uh, you can find trainings also for free uh, uh, online. There are lots of possibilities now. Then sustainability, we mentioned that. I'm convinced it's absolutely key. There is, I think, a shift in the mindset of consumers, but also the need for, of course, for the planet, a people, profit, planet, what we call the triple bottom line, is absolutely fundamental. So it covers all aspects, as I said, from the supply chain, the production, and the final distribution. And it impacts the finance as well, uh, of course, and um, so sustainability, really gaining knowledge on that and circular economy, the new business models. Don't be afraid of being creative, innovative. I think uh, that's uh, right now really thinking outside the box, I think is really, uh, it's really something uh, important. Being ad adaptive, it's very, very important and having confidence because things are changing. It's difficult, but we need to keep confidence and, and uh, try to... Uh, really uh, believe in those new uh, business models that are coming out and changing fast, very fast. Thank you so much, Isabel Chabou. Thank you so much to my listeners. This has been a fantastic day and I hope you've got a lot out of this session. Thank you and see you soon. Thanks for listening. This podcast was brought to you today by the Depot Virtual Service Hub. The Virtual Service Hub is our digital transformation strategy service that supports startups needing to optimize their processes and their performance to scale up for growth. We also help medium-sized firms in modernizing their operations and our services include sustainable strategy, analytics and tech enablement. To find out more, contact Catherine Ann Byam on LinkedIn.